This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Zandra Robinson Burns, writer and the protagonist of Heroin Training. And joining me today for our campfire episode is my co-host, actress and activist, Grace Gordon. Grace, how is your art life? My art life is relaxed. I had the most interesting experience recently, Zandra, that I was, as soon as it happened, as soon as the lesson became concrete, became evident, I said to myself, I can't wait to talk about this on the show. About a week or two weeks ago, I had uh, I had to get ready for a casting director workshop where they, like the casting director assigned um, a scene for me to work on ahead of time. And usually with things like that, it's it, just like an audition. They give it to you one or two days before. So that's the time you have to work on it and learn the lines and all of that. And I really liked the scene, but I was very intimidated by it because um, as funny as it is and uh, weird and, and, you know, to my sense of humor, I'm not really a comedy person. That's not like – comedy's hard and it's not um, – it's not my – Uh, area of expertise in terms of acting. So I was very intimidated. And even though I was excited, because I was nervous, you know, I struggled through learning the lines. And it was only like two pages. But I felt so tense. And I was, I was, you know, running it over and over with my roommate. And, um, you know, talking about how to get it into my body and trying to get the lines down. And there were these kind of weird, wonky monologues as well within the script. And there was a lot of me pacing around and trying to figure it out. Um, and then that night, so the night before the, the class, I also had a film shoot. So I went from rehearsing to go to this little – it was like a skit. It's like a little skit gig that I was just doing. And um, I jump on to to do that gig and it's like I had – I wasn't given a script beforehand. It was like a very casual, relaxed environment. But the last scene that we shot was he he shows me a script. It's four pages long. And the guy I'm shooting with, really, really cool person. He um we got along great just immediately from the beginning of the shoot. He shows me the script. It's four pages, so he's like, you know, look over it and then we'll like kind of break it down take by take and, and piece by piece, shot by shot. I'll feed you lines if you need them because of the way it was cut. Like it wouldn't matter if he was feeding me lines. I look at this script, Zandra. I literally read it one time and I had the entire thing down. What? And I was like, like the, the you know, four pages, I knew the entire arc and I, w- I had most of the lines memorized from just reading through it once. And he was like shocked by this. I, I want to be clear, I am bragging a little bit because it was cool. But the thing that I noticed, and I said it to him at the shoot, I said, this is so interesting. Um... I said, I, you know, I've been kind of struggling through these scenes, like these sides. They're called sides for some reason. We call them sides when it's a a scene for um, an audition. So I was, I tell this director, I'm like, oh, I've been struggling through these sides all day because I'm trying to like get it in my body and learn the lines and it's been really difficult. And I tell him, I'm like, it's been, it's so weird because here I am at this shoot 
I look at this script one time and I have the whole thing down. And I said, do you know what the difference is? He's like, what? And I go, it's because I'm relaxed. I said, I was intimidated by this workshop. I was intimidated by this script and I want to impress this casting director. So I'm looking at this scene and I'm getting so in my head about it. And when I'm just like on a set with a person I immediately vibe with and having fun and like don't care, I I don't need a second more than like one read through to have it four pages of dialogue down. And it was fascinating. And so I just get into this conversation about tension and and relaxation and the way that our memories and our, you know, ability to perform are just so dependent on our ability to relax as performers. And, you know, of course, we're talking about it. And afterwards, he's like, you should really, like, have a podcast or something. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, well, let me tell you. Um, So, Sandra, my art life is relaxed. And I'm just, like, fascinated by this breakthrough. And I'm not saying that I'm in control of my own you know, ability to ease into things or be relaxed when I care about an audition. But uh, it was just a really interesting experience. And I'm curious about um, how it can affect my process moving forward. Oh, my gosh. I I have a very similar story. But before we get to it, I want to I want to say, like, isn't this the the classic question that actors get asked all the time is like how did you memorize all your lines and now you have such a cool story that that does this important plot twist that you can tell for interviews on end yeah it's um i've never had that much issue with learning i'm just lucky basically i've been very lucky that my my brain is usually good with uh memorizing things quickly but it was right it was these opposite experiences within one day that really unlocked something for me and i just i'm excited you know moving forward to figure out what i need to get my brain into that space so that i can just let go a little bit and um you know that's since clearly that's the key so anyway that's that's a that's what's up on my end how is your art life I was going to say my art life is restful. And similarly, well, I'll go back a little bit where last week I was in desperate need of rest. I was just so exhausted and at that state of exhaustion where like I have gone past the point of being able to identify how tired I am. I was just like being a zombie. And one of the tasks that I had to plow through was editing our interview with Claire Baker and getting that um, that scheduled to publish, which it, it now has. And I was just editing my own voice, repeating Claire's message at the end of the episode of, it's important to rest. You must rest. And I was, it was like this strange experience of hearing my own voice telling me to go and accept what I needed. So I've been really listening to that lately. And at the same time, I have been studying for this life in the UK test that I'm taking on Saturday. It's part of my UK citizenship. And 
I have noticed there's a direct correlation between how well I score on my practice tests and how at ease I am. So that is my new strategy going into this week and going into my test day is what can I do not to cram last minute because I know the material, but how can I go in as rested and relaxed and in as good a mood as possible because that's really what's going to put me over the edge. Clearly, we need to start compiling some sort of list of the things that get us into that space because it seems like that's really the key to performing, whether it's performing, you know, a test or or a scene, right? Well, what do, do you have any ideas? What comes to mind? Well, I know that for me, I, I've said in an episode before that like meditating directly before a performance has been the most beneficial thing for me. Um, but there's definitely more to do. There's definitely more that I need to learn. And, um, that's one thing. I don't know. What about you? I think it's, I think for me, it's about identifying that I need it. And then once I need it, it's, it's really simple. Like yesterday I was feeling kind of tired and I had things to finish up and thought, well, I could just do these things and then I'll be done. But I could feel how tense I was in my body and decided to lie down and watch TV. And then when I started to watch TV, I realized that's not really resting. So I just turned off the lights and had a nap. And even though I ended up finishing tasks later in my day, it was just such a more pleasant and sustainable experience after that rest. I really need to enact the nap life because I've never been someone who takes naps or siestas. And I really feel like that's a tradition that I've sorely missed out on in my life. It has definitely been a learned tradition of my own. Like from kindergarten, I was a rebel who didn't accept nap time. I've really had to teach it to myself as an adult, but something that I found really helpful was reading that even if you don't physically fall asleep, your body reaps the benefits of lying down with your eyes closed and and resting. So I think before I would get like stressed about, oh no, I'm not going to reach that state of rest, but actually by attempting it, that is rest too. Well, it's now officially my homework to start taking naps. It is now officially part of my process as an artist <laughs> so i'm just look it's part of my job i'll uh, yes. i'll let my team know <laughs> okay yeah sounds good so today we're gathered around the campfire we did an episode on creating traditions and at the end of it just really wanted to extend that prompt to everyone listening and what a great way to close this year this is our last episode of the year in the darkest days of winter here in the uk at least and we have stories for you i love creating traditions i love 
you know, having them with family and friends. So after we did that episode, I just, I was like, we have to know what our friends are doing, what our other artists do. Um, and I'm so glad everyone shared so many beautiful things. So um, our first submission was actually from your mom, right? Yes, we have a short little entry from my mom, which I'll go ahead and read. So she wanted me to share that my dad has a tradition of buying an ornament from all the places we visit for our tree. And as a side note, I have been uh, like everywhere we go on a family vacation um, or just just traveling or just everywhere. He's like, where's the Christmas shop? <laughs> or where's the ornament at the gift shop? So we have all of these collections of ornaments from these excursions we've been on. Um, back to my mom's story, he says, each year as we, parentheses, he hangs them, we tend to reminisce. Our 11-foot tree is full of travel ornaments, and we can't go any smaller with the tree size, or not all of them will make the cut. Make the cut. <laughs> This I, um, is my family. <laughs> I love it. So I, you know, I was just reflecting because Katra and I put up our tree at home and she has a bunch of her childhood ornaments here and I don't really have any. I don't have any ornaments uh, in LA. And so I love this tradition and I might adopt it myself so that I can start building a collection of ornaments for my home. Well, we have another ornament related story that I got from Claire, who was just interviewed on the last episode. And I was so excited to receive this story from her. Claire was such a perfect art life guest. And I love that she saw our prompt and she submitted something. So thank you, Claire Baker. Claire said, what a beautiful question. My partner, fiance, got properly engaged last week. Congratulations. My fiance, Alex, and I buy a bottle of, oh lord, how do I say this? My partner, Alex, and I buy a bottle of Beaujolais Nouveau to drink while wrapping presents on Christmas Eve. Some might argue we could have our presents wrapped before then, but this seems to be the tradition that has formed over the past few years. So why fight it? We also buy a new, totally kitsch ornament for the tree every year. The first year, it was a tree to represent our first tree together. Last year, they were Australian ornaments because we had Christmas in Australia. This year, we actually got two, a mushroom and a dog. We've had a real love affair with learning about mushrooms this year. And the plan for 2021 is to get our very own furball. They're our festive traditions. I gotta get myself some Beaujolais Nouveau now. I love the wrapping your Christmas Eve, uh, wrapping presents on Christmas Eve and just accepting that that's a tradition. I also love that they got a dog ornament before getting a dog and they're like, we're manifesting this. Like they preemptively <laughs> got a dog ornament without knowing what kind of dog they're getting, without having a plan yet. I think that's so cute um that's adorable so i also really you know i would really like to see a photo of the mushroom ornament i have so many questions i'd like to see a picture please claire get back to us 
Well, first she mentioned that she got engaged, and then she said we've had a real love affair, but it was not with each other. No, no, <laughs> it was no. about mushrooms. I, I completely understand. I love <laughs> the storytelling um, word choices here. Thank you. Absolutely. Claire. She's definitely a writer. Our next story is from my friend Layla, who shared this tradition. After some thought, one tradition I've adopted came to mind. Sunday brunch. Long before the words social distancing became part of 2020's vernacular, my family and I would make an effort to brunch on Sundays. I think it began after my sister and I became roommates in Washington, D.C., and my mother would visit us. I remember looking forward to whipping up some homemade buttermilk pancakes and pulling out my fancy tea set that I reserved for Sundays. At some point during the pandemic, we resumed the tradition. Even though our schedules and lives aren't what they used to be before the pandemic, the meaning and significance of sitting down to brunch hasn't altered. It's a nice way to mark the beginning of a new week and one of the few traditions that has endured. That is so lovely, and I'm honestly so impressed that they're able to keep it up weekly. I mean, besides... Besides our weekly meetings, Zandra, I don't have a lot of like virtual meetings happening that often. You know, I'll do a class here and there. And I think it's just, it's so wonderful that she's been able to coordinate that and keep it, keep it going this year. I guess when the tradition is lovely enough, which it sounds like it is, it becomes a priority. And I'm just picturing this tea set and the care that goes into preparing the food as as you know grace i am always looking for ways to get inspired about cooking and this is lighting a light bulb for me of like we'll make it an occasion so thank you layla what a what a motivating thing it would be too to you know try a new recipe every week for sunday brunch something like that that is a lovely idea i just like feel calm thinking about it there's one of our answers that will i'll have sunday brunch before my test <laughs> or maybe after my test wonderful thank you our next submission is from my stepmom deb um now i will admit that deb sent this in on my request uh she um she does listen to the show but I, I did specifically request that she submit this tradition because it has become one of my favorites in my own family. So Deb wrote, tradition. <laughs> tradition. She said, uh, imagine said in a booming voice from Fiddler on the Roof. Yes, Deb, we know. <laughs> we know. And she said, <laughs> one of my favorite family traditions is PJ Day. PJ Day at our home is on Christmas Day, the particular holiday our family celebrates, but this could be easily adapted into any important family day. And it has been a tradition for over 20 years now. It's simple. Everyone wears their PJs for the day. No dressing up, just comfy jammies throughout, stockings and present opening, cooking and eating, game playing, and even while hiking if the weather's nice. If you come over to visit, you must wear your jammies. Everyone who knows us knows that this is the norm here. PJ Day was born out of the frustration of the holidays feeling hectic 
and expectations that we would visit everyone when my children were young. Especially as a mom, I felt the time leading up to the holidays was especially busy. Staying in pajamas all day is a conscious way to slow down, relax, and not feel like I have to entertain. After my first husband, Steve, died, it became even more important to keep this tradition alive. It was a favorite of his. After the loss of a person, one way to keep their memory alive, to honor their spirit as a person, is to offer rituals. Children are especially connected to traditions. When my family became a blended family, PJ Day was an invitation to all that seems to be enjoyed by all. Rituals also provide a sense of emotional safety, which, during this year in particular, is something a lot of folks are seeking. From my PJs to yours, wishing you all a healthy and safe holiday season. I wish I were in my PJs now, just for this one episode. I love, of course, we love PJs. Now I know more of a reason for for your love of PJs. And yeah, if you're a new listener to this show, I highly recommend going back and finding our episode called The Pajama Life. <laughs> I forgot we called it that. We are passionate pajama fans on this show. Oh, I so appreciate this glimpse into into history here. And also the added meaning about ritual as an important way to keep memory alive and to bring families together it it just um i really appreciate all of that extra value from this share yeah deb's a very insightful person and she's an art therapist herself which is part of why what? there's there's so much you know psychology um acknowledged in this email from her um I remember, you know, when she and my dad got together, both of them had lost a spouse. Both of their kids had lost a parent, like uh, both sides of the family. They actually met in a grief counseling center for families who've lost a a parent. And um, I remember the first Christmas with her and her boys because it was it's really the honestly, Zandra, the only thing I remember from that first Christmas is the pajama tradition because they would buy a new set of pajamas for everyone. And so they got they got me a new set of pajamas. They got my little baby brother Josh a new set of pajamas, and we all wore them that day. And I remember even then it was so sweet, and it was such a a lovely thing to be invited into. And it's become one of my favorite family traditions, and one that you know I will certainly enact when I have my own family because I love that it takes the pressure off to to get dressed up. Um, we have on that side of the family. It's seven kids plus my dad and stepmom and lots of neighborhood kids and extended family and the house is packed on Christmas. So the the fact that it's, a, it's an agreement in the neighborhood that you have to wear pajamas over our house is it's just a lovely thing to take some pressure off the holiday and get everyone just comfortable with each other. I love that. And I, I love hearing it in Deb's words as well, because I knew your side of the story and it's how literary and and artful to hear the same story coming from a different voice. Absolutely. Our next share is from Nicole, who first submitted this story 
for my show, The Secret Garden Sessions, which is for members of Everyday Wonderland, like Nicole. And I read it there a couple of months ago and asked her if I could bring it back for the campfire because it really suits this prompt of creating tradition as well. So here is what Nicole said. When I was in graduate school, I moved from sunny Florida to East Tennessee. It was my first time living in the North. I was wholly unprepared for winter. The cold, the snow, the ice, but also that washed-out gray sky that almost never cleared. The holidays were truly magical. Crisp weather for Christmas? Like in the movies? Yes, please! But then the holidays passed. Spring was still four months away. What would we do until then? Well, we decided to add a holiday. The last weekend of January became Friends Weekend. We filled it with baking and crafting together, brisk walks outside, watching movies inside, puzzles, games, hot cocoa, and most importantly, connecting with each other. This holiday is near and dear to my heart. Though we all live in different states now, we share a Pinterest board for Friends Weekend. We don't get together every year, and the weekend has moved to whenever we all can get together. This weekend together is even more treasured now than it was seven years ago when we dreamed it up once the lights and brightness of the holiday season were boxed up. You can just hear how much the friends love each other, that they have this Pinterest board that they contribute to. Like, what a what a beautiful artifact of their love for each other and their ideas all compiled. That's so wonderful. I feel like there are so many gems in this campfire collection of stories of like, ooh, that's a good idea. Ooh, I should do that. And the Pinterest board is a particularly genius one for long-distance friends or people who can't get together in person right now. I love that collaboration of of like tasty visuals. So um, thank you for that idea, Nicole. And I wanted to especially share this story right now as we are celebrating the holidays, that this is an idea of adding another holiday if you're in a particularly cold winter like um like we have here in Scotland they you, you can keep celebrating and keep inserting as many occasions as as need be well not to mention that in 2020 so many people might need to postpone um family visitation so it's a lovely idea for those of you listening to this episode, you know, it's coming out Christmas Day. It's a it's a lovely reminder that you can plan your visit. You can make a Pinterest board to share with your family and 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 your friends um, to keep the excitement and the spirit alive. And you know, remember that 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 reunion's coming. So we have one more special surprise, which you created for this campfire. Yes. Speaking of reunion, I uh, was able to get a little audio clip on my f- on my phone recently of my mom 
um, in her Airstream trailer uh, um, while she's out on her adventure. She uh, she came on our show. <laughs> she came for a little segment to this. share. Yeah, to share about Rubber Ducky Thanksgiving, which is a family tradition on her side of the family, one that we have had for my as long as I can remember. But what I love about this, well, should we just get into it before I make a reflection? Yes, let the people hear about rubber. What is rubber ducky Thanksgiving? Rubber ducky Thanksgiving. What is that? Let my mother tell you. Hi, mom. Hi, Grace. So we're here in your Airstream trailer, and we had a little bit of a uh, makeshift Thanksgiving dinner. Makeshift. Well, I just mean it that was you awesome. you cooked a br- a beautiful meal within your you're, airstream. You were gonna say brilliant, which was the correct. Brilliant word. is the word I meant, and um, and, but we also skyped or we got on a Zoom call with most of the family, and that was nice. But this is we we always have had a tradition that is um doing Thanksgiving a little bit differently. So this year, even though many people are freaking out because they can't have the Thanksgiving they normally have, mm-hmm. we're a little more used to it. And since we're doing this episode on creating traditions on my show, I thought I'd ask you about rubber ducky Thanksgiving, which is our family tradition. And also, why is it, I don't even know, why is it called rubber ducky Thanksgiving? Yeah, I'm not even sure it's Rubber Ducky Thanksgiving or just Rubber Ducky Weekend. And this goes back to some family friends of mine, the Brooks family, um, who um, I've known since I was born. And they have three kids. And they have a house in Vermont, which is how we know them. And they always had like this big house full of kids, you know, and I'm an only child. So (laughs) I would sort of gravitate to hang out there. Um, there was just, it was just one of these families that people, all the kids always gravitated and they had this big bunk room that like, you know, a dozen kids would sleep in (laughs) with a pool table. And so they would have rubber ducky weekend. And I think it was usually like before Thanksgiving and I may just be fabricating all of this in my memory. (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. But that's where the word came from and so rubber ducky was meant to, I think it was sort of like, it's a fake bird. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they would basically... that makes sense. Yeah, it was basically like before anyone had the word Friendsgiving. Right. And it was not ever on Thanksgiving because people would go to their families, but they would basically have like this huge turkey dinner that was basically Thanksgiving, but it was not on Thanksgiving weekend because like all the friends could, the kids would come, you know, like they'd bring the friends and whatever, but then people would go home to their families for the real Thanksgiving. That's so interesting. It turned out that in a blended family situation or a family where there are multiple households and mm-hmm. parents and trying to make arrangements for Thanksgiving. Like, for some reason, it just never was that important to me to have Thanksgiving with my family on Thanksgiving. It was way more important to, like, have a Thanksgiving dinner, but to differentiate it from the real Thanksgiving, I think I just started calling it, like, rubber ducky dinner. And so for the past years, I mean, 
I've even even since I moved across the country, I think I've mostly been able to see you on that weekend before or the the quote unquote rubber ducky Thanksgiving, which is it is with family though. It's not just a friend a friendsgiving. No, no, ours is with family because it's our opportunity to you know it's the it's a day where we can have a big family dinner without having to worry about like the other parents schedule right and especially with younger kids like custody issues and all of that so there's not a lot of competition for some like the weekend before or even two weeks before and so because we were kind of doing this um your stepfather and I have been going to Europe every year for Thanksgiving for the past decade, really. It's a great time to travel to Europe. It's really cheap. There's nobody there. The flights are empty. Awesome. Uh, yeah, this year is different, obviously. But basically every year um, for the last 10 years, we've gone to mostly Paris, where we would have our own little private Thanksgiving at a like little expat <laughs> farm to table like delicious little restaurant with like these little bitty turkey medallions as part of the eight course mm. wine dinner so you know that was kind of nice for us but still th- a, a thanksgiving dinner that i can cook and be with everybody without having to put the stress on people of like having to choose one household over another or whatever so so that's where that tradition came from, and I kind—I guess I sort of stole the idea and the name from my friends going back a long way, who maybe did it for other reasons, but it worked. It's so funny to talk to you about this, because I didn't know any of this history. And it is, I just, I've just accepted that it's called Rubber Ducky Thanksgiving, and I'm like, I don't know why that is, and it's cool to learn that. I also, I mean, the last one I had at your house, I really appreciated, because it was the weekend before, I think. that I could invite friends you know it's it's a family meal it was with my brother and stepdad and you but also I was able to invite some friends and their kids so it's somewhere between it's in my experience has been it's a chosen family or somewhere between friendsgiving and well yeah like my godmother your best friend often comes yeah I mean that's actually grandma's tradition completely separate from rubber ducky your mom my mom would always invite um, you know, sort of not a, not a stri- <laughs> well, I don't want to, you know, yeah, people who didn't, who couldn't be with their family or, um, people new to the country. You right. Know, we had your friend, thing. immigrant friend last so, year. Um, so it's been, um, that's always been a part of the tradition too, which is really nice because it, it should be a gathering of community and not just, not, it's not just for family, I don't think. I mean, I think if you go back to even the whichever version of the Thanksgiving story, <laughs> it you know, I think everyone agrees. It wasn't a, it was just not blood just relatives. like blood relatives at that first Thanksgiving. That's so, right. Um, and having, you know, inviting someone to the table who maybe is, doesn't have a place to go is always um, not just as like a pity thing, but because that's part of the part of the fun. philosophy of, of yeah, the holiday it also keeps everyone behaving I think a little better <laughs> well I also I you know it's funny because the opposite of that is that or like the reasons less stressful is there's so there's an episode of Gilmore Girls 
where there's like the the mom and daughter have four different Thanksgiving dinners they have to go to in one day and they're trying to not be rude so they're also eating like a normal amount at each of these <laughs> at each of these four consecutive Thanksgivings in one day and so it's like the opposite of the taking in people who don't have somewhere to go it's like they're so stressed out the whole day because they're on this tight schedule but they also don't want to be rude to anyone and so if, if they had had one of those groups of people, one of those stops, just do it the weekend before, I think it would have been a much more fun and pleasurable experience, which is something you provide because you're not, you have, you are such a great cook and you make Thank such you a nice, you, yeah, of course, you make such a beautiful spread every year, but it's not, but anyone can come because it's also not all packed into one day where people yeah, are obligated like somewhere else. Yeah, it's not like the traffic else. jams and everything, so... And then you get to just go to Europe, so it's better for you, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Grace. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> next year, we'll, we'll uh, talk to you from Europe. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> so what, what was this reflection? So my favorite part about this is, you know, I, I open the conversation and I'm like, so tell us about Rubber Ducky Thanksgiving. Wait a minute. Why is it even called that? Because I had no idea. I had no idea. I didn't know any of the backstory of her family, friends, like when she was a kid. I knew none of this. And it was just like so funny that I this was the thing I went to ask her about and then realized I myself knew nothing about <laughs> Oh, I love that. I This is like similar to an experience that my mom describes that I now, that my mom describes as an immigrant to the U.S. of like hearing somebody's family tradition and confusing it with like, oh, this is what all Americans do. And I can kind of relate to that being an immigrant here in the U.K. as well. Of like, wait, is this, is this like a thing? Um, where, why is it called that? And um, I just loved witnessing your discovery of the the name origin of Rubber Ducky Thanksgiving, which makes total sense. And then hearing about the tradition itself, especially here's my here's what my takeaway from this is: I need to go to Paris for Thanksgiving. Yes, follow in her footsteps, please. Oh my gosh. I mean, let's not have everybody go and and like hike those those plane ticket prices up again, but that sounds so dreamy and um I just this is another great story of like shifting when you celebrate to make it more of your own tradition. Yeah, and and uh similar to what you said first, I I just want to say the the reflection of like oh, is this what Americans do? You know, like what, um, is this just the norm, me discovering the norm of my family, where it comes from? It's interesting just because often we invite people who are immigrants and don't have a Thanksgiving tradition. We've done that quite a few times in the past few years. Um, either people who my mom's mentoring or like um, a friend who's a refugee who she sort of like, took in um so it's interesting because we've also had a lot of these dinners with people who are not american and so they haven't had a thanksgiving period but now they've had a rubber ducky thanksgiving and now they've had a rubber ducky thanksgiving a week before thanksgiving yes 
I have to ask, Grace, is there any visual representation of a of a rubber duck at this event? No. Nope. No, it's I mean, it's just been referred to it as rubber ducky Thanksgiving as long as I can remember, and I never once knew why. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you for for like capturing that story so beautifully with the birds singing in the background and I can just picture you in the Airstream trailer together. So thanks for for having us over at your mom's place. Oh, it was my pleasure. Well, Grace, what is the art life? The art life is a love affair. Ah. (laughs) All of this is a love affair, you know, among our friends, among our obsessions, whether they're mushrooms or Sunday brunch. It's all a love affair. And so I'm so inspired by these things that our community has created. It's, that's so, this is like creating your own romance, right? It's taking, I think a a lot of these stories are rooted in, in holidays that are stamped on the calendar. And by having our own spin on it, like that is, that is the love affair. That is the romanticizing of our own lives. Zandra, what is the art life? The art life is is togetherness. There is a running theme through these stories of tradition being something that you share with somebody else or many other people or as many people as you can fit around your dinner table and more. And that's what really stood out to me. And I think that's what stood out to us intuitively when we did our creating traditions episode was this is beyond the two of us we need more people involved in this so i'm really glad that we are closing the year with this yeah and another great through line in these especially this year especially in 2020 is that it was togetherness no matter what the date is like there was a there were a lot of these that were holiday centric took the time to mention oh, it doesn't matter what holiday it is it doesn't matter what day it's on it doesn't matter if it's over Skype um or a different weekend and i just really appreciated that on the theme of togetherness that like it was all of these traditions or or so many of them were born out of just a desire to connect and um connect no matter whether there's a holiday attached what a special thing and what a special thing to be included in a tradition that someone starts and i feel like that's that i am included by hearing these stories and having everyone share them with us so thank you to our community of campfire sharers Thank you to everyone who's listening. You are the ambassadors of our show. And if you enjoy it, invite a friend to join us around the campfire and we can create things together. Yes. Thank you so much to everyone who contributed. And please share the show with your friends. 
We have some new people listening because we just did a giveaway on my Instagram. Um, and we're starting a new series on the podcast. So um, there might be some few some new people listening to this episode who discovered us through that. Uh, hello and welcome. And um, and we're so excited for you to join us for our next upcoming series. Do you want to tell everyone about it, Zandra? Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> so beginning New Year's Day, we are going through Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way, which I am not quite finished with yet for the first time. I'm on week 12. I'm almost done. So I'm like, ooh, I can't talk too much about my own experience yet, but we will have plenty of time to do that because we are going through the book week by week. It is a course that is based on her beautiful writing and with tasks and challenges and practices along the way. So as I was going through it for the first time, I thought I would really love to have some sort of community aspect to this program, even though I enjoy going through things on my own and doing individual study. I would love to just like listen to someone else's experience. So that's what we're doing for the first several weeks of 2021. Yeah, the artist way is notorious for having all of these tasks and morning pages and sometimes people burn out because it is an undertaking. But having gone through the book several times, I can say with absolute certainty that it if you stick with it, it really works. It unblocks creativity it inspires you, it moves you forward in your art life. And so I am a big believer in the artist's way, and I'm so glad you had this idea. So on January 1st, we will be having our sort of week zero discussion. Um, we'll be talking about our own experiences and why we're doing this and more. So that will be the day to start the book. And then after that, we'll be, you know, reflecting after each week, each chapter. There's 12 chapters to go through, 12 weeks of the book to to discuss on the podcast. And you are invited to join us, listeners. We'll hold you accountable. We'll add you to the conversation. And we will be there to enjoy the process. While there is, you know, morning pages and tasks and this and that that people, that people sometimes are intimidated by, Ultimately, the artist's way is really about play. It's about celebration and joy. So um, we will be there celebrating each other and inviting you to join us. Uh, I can't wait. It's going to be the greatest way to start the new year. I really hope that some of you will, will join us in real time to complete this program together. Um, and... It'll be there too. So if you, if now is not a good time to start this program, but you want to really commit to it, then you can always go back and listen to what we create. We're hoping that it'll be something you can revisit in years to come. That's a great point. If people discover the show later down the line or want to recommend the Our Artist's Way um, series to a friend, like it will exist forever. So it's not time sensitive, but I'm excited to start it in the new year because I just think it's it's a good way to uh, to launch into 2021. 
Well, I'm about to finish it, so I'm excited to like restart it and um, and reflect with with you and with everyone listening. So happy, happy holidays, happy New Year. You too, Zandra, and away we go. Well, one last time in 2020, from my side of the world, I wish you all a good morning. And from my side of the world, I wish you a good night. Hi. Bye. This is The Art Life, a heroin training podcast with Grace Gordon and me, Zandra Robinson Burns. You can find us online and subscribe to our newsletter at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California, 91617. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining us.